Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. This is episode 136 with video strategist and repurposing expert Cheryl Plouffe. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. I'm really excited to to learn about your perspective with the Trace of Pencil Leadership and just from, from your just experience with video marketing, television, all of that. And so I'm sure you've had a lot of good uh, insight, learning, growth, hard times that we can all hopefully learn from as well. So with that being said, the first trait, obviously, of pencil leadership so we have to humble ourselves and be held and guided by others so we can get to those next levels and leave a positive mark. I'm curious if you can pinpoint maybe a mentor you've had that's really had a, a positive influence on your life. And if you can't pinpoint one, uh, maybe just some traits or some things you've really learned that has resonated along your journey. Well, it depends on what kind of mentorship we're talking about, Mm. because I think some of the mentors that I look up to are, in many cases, people whose books I've read or whose podcasts I've listened to. So I may not have worked with them directly. So if I could, could I give you two examples? One person who I have invested in and worked with, and then also maybe uh, another mentor who I've read for sure. uh, thought leadership on. One of the people that I invested in and who... Mm -hmm. Uh, really is somebody who had a very, you know, still does have a very successful business is Suzanne Evans. Okay. And Suzanne Evans, uh, I mean, this was years ago that I worked with her privately and in some of her other coaching programs. But why I bring that up, Chris, is because <clears throat> I actually have on my whiteboard over here something that she wrote to me on a note. And I keep this as inspiration. And can I read mm. to you what it says? Absolutely. She writes here, this was as a result of a speaking program that we were doing, and I had done a presentation and she marked it out of 10. So she writes, you know, some other complimentary things, which was great. But the one that really struck me was she said, you could easily have a multi-million dollar business with 40% more commitment and organization. And this was years ago. I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's admit it. Let's right. put it out there. I don't have a multi-million dollar business. But I leave this up as inspiration because there's something about that. She validated, I think, an internal sort of thought that I have about myself in terms of I think I have the ability to be there, but she validated that. Mm. And and to me, this piece of paper was worth every dime that I paid her, you know, over the course of however many months we worked together. So she is someone who is a mentor who I look up to. And I think the the validation, sorry, before I know you're going to talk yeah. about the thought leaders that you've learned from, but mm-hmm. that's so crucial. Just if we think from our perspective as mentors or guys, because there are people that we can do that in their lives now, the validation aspect, you know, validating people's journey, I think it's such a crucial point and I've had in my life. And some people overlook that sometimes they, they, they see the, the actual items that people give them or the resources, but that validation sometimes is that pivotal moment, like what you've had from a mentor. So I think that's really a cool piece to pull out from that. It's, it's validation of a vision that mm. you might not have even been willing to admit could be something that could come to fruition. Yeah. So it's like these secret desires that we have. And so I, I keep this on my board and I read it every day and I am a 
believer in affirmations as well. So she's someone who I look up to and, and uh, obviously she has served many, many people in that capacity of coaching. Yeah. And another person who's I have not worked with personally, but whose book I just recently uh, read, actually there are several books I've read of his, but the most recent one is Dan Kennedy. Oh, uh-huh. And, uh, and so there's a, it's an audio book that I listen to. So it's, it's funny because someone just recently posted, you know, who is, who, what is a book that you've read that's had, or your favorite business book? That's a difficult question because I have so many of them that I love. Yeah. But this one in particular, it was marketing to the affluent. Mm, okay. The no BS guide to marketing to the affluent. Yeah. What I loved about it is it really was no BS. It's literally awesome. so many case studies. Dan Kennedy's books are amazing. And so I would cite, um, those are just two examples, but there are so many mentors, as we know, Chris, you know, you go through this journey and you don't do it alone. Oh, absolutely not. I think that's a great point to remember. We can't, we can't do it alone. And to be able to remember that as well, to be able to give back to that upcoming, you know, class or generation that are just starting out where we were, you know, however many years ago and, and just the, the availability now of content that's out there that we can learn from is just decades ago wasn't there. And now we have access to so many thought leaders like Dan Kennedy and, and many others that we can really just kind of get that leg up in different areas now without having to pay thousands and thousands and thousands. Cause they, you know, most of them are giving, giving, you know, giving content out there to be able to use. Well, books, I mean, let's just think about books, whether you consume that in physical format or digitally, mm-hmm. You buy a book for $20, $30, but if yeah. you apply what is being written about in that book, it's really worth millions. Yeah. So yeah. it's really the ROI up to is the individual huge. 100%. It, it, it's a huge ROI if you apply what you're yes. learning. Yeah. And it, like you mentioned affirmations and everything, and, and I'm a believer in that too, but we can't just you know visualize. We can't just have the affirmation. We have to take the action. You know, We have to implement. So I think that's a great, a great point to make with all that as well. So can I I make one more point just because I I gave an example here, but talking about taking action. Yeah. Well, I could read this affirmation all day long, but if I don't take action, nothing will happen from it. So what she wrote here, especially was the part that I felt was a weakness for me at the time she wrote this, which was a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. about commitment and organization. So I am taking action in my own business behind the scenes on guess what commitment and organization. And it's already starting. I'm definitely seeing improvements uh, in my business as a result. And that's why I think people get a lot of maybe a bad taste in their mouth when they hear, you know, Oh, you need to do affirmations or you need to visualize like, okay, whatever, because it, it, people don't go to that level, but you need to take action. They just talk about, you know, that part of it and not the next the action that comes in should accompany part. that. Yeah. The hard part. <laughs> yeah. The hard part for sure. Uh, cause we get a lot of hard parts in life, uh, without a doubt. And, and sometimes those hard moments are, are really difficult and they can hurt and they can be painful in our journeys. And that's the second trait kind of pencil leadership, those sharpenings pencils go through to become, or to get a better point, to leave a better mark. We go through those same kind of moments in life, those valleys, those, those hardships. Um, looking back on your journey, do you have one of those moments that you remember being like, man, that, that was about, that was a dark moment. That was really super hard, but then you were able to see, you know, the, the silver lining or you see the positive from it at all. Do you have one of those moments? 
Well, I mean, there are several that, that come to mind, but as it pertains to leadership, I'll give an example of the transition that I went through from going as a, from being a TV broadcaster to mm -hmm. wanting to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because as a TV broadcaster, I had on the outside and from other people's perspectives, a great job. Why would I want to rock that boat? But the truth is that at that moment in time, I felt internally in my heart a pull to change. Yep. And so it was challenging for me to want to give up something that was safe and secure. And, you know, it was the personal shoppers and lots of really awesome perks and gifts and, and you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it was difficult to kind of want to, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to give all of that up for something that at that point was uncertain and scary, you know, mm -hmm. and the audience that I had built up as a broadcaster was very different and for a different or brand and organization, my employer in that case, than the realization that I had to build an audience of my own going forward. And in many cases, I'm starting it from zero. Yep. That's scary. Yeah. Especially when you feel like I have a, a reputation I want to uphold and, and, and gee, I'm going to have a lot of pressure because People are going to question, am I good at what I do if I have trouble or challenges building my own audience without mm -hmm. the safety net of a huge multi-million dollar brand behind me? Right. Like if I want to build my own brand. So that was scary going from that safe, safety and security to becoming an entrepreneur. So it's really, I think for me, the challenge was that idea of starting from zero, yeah. starting with, you know, or, or changing the direction that I was going in when certain people knew me as one way in one way. And now I would have to start training them and guiding them to think of me in a different way. Mm. And, and, and that's that not, yeah, that's not, that's not the easiest thing. So what did you, what were the kind of your go-to things that allowed you to, what helped get you through that difficulty? Vision. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was, an internal knowing that I could do it, but it would be hard. Yeah. And also the idea that I can't be afraid to fail. And so I, I have, you know, traditionally, I think put quite a bit of pressure on myself to be good at everything. And mm. I had to look at it and go, okay, I have to be willing to fail. I have to be willing to look stupid here. You know, yeah. because this isn't going to go smoothly. Let's just be real about this. This is not going to go smoothly. Yeah. And that's the journey. I've seen all these other people ahead of me do it. And they talk about how it's not a, an easy path, but I'm willing to do it anyway. So I think it's that taking imperfect action, Chris, mm. piece of it that yep. can feel really scary, especially when you're trying to uphold a certain professionalism and uphold a certain image. Right. And reputation. Yeah. So you're trying to balance that. You know, the first few videos that I did, like I, I've, I've have a lot of experience in front of the camera. I've done mm -hmm. over 20,000 hours of, of broadcasting. So in front of the camera, no problem. Yeah. Behind the camera, I was producing my own videos. I had to mm. learn how to edit. I'm a self-taught editor, even though I've been in editing bays with editors and have directed edits, but I have never edited myself. So yeah. a lot of these skill sets were new to me. And some of my first videos, frankly, were pretty bad. I mean, the lighting was off. I was blue. I yeah. mean, it was, the lighting was terrible. I was hot. It was terrible. Um, but I did it anyway. And I was willing to do that and 
look stupid, but willing to do that in order to learn. And that it's the process of doing it that you learn from. Oh, absolutely. And I think <laughs> I'm with you <laughs> looking back at some of my first uh, podcast videos. I'm like, man, I was wearing kid headphones, like a legit, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. oh, so like you, it's just a growing process and a learning process. So no, that that's so true on, on our journeys. But so with that though, as we're going and, and taking that imperfect action, I know in my life, and I'm sure everyone listening, we mess up. Uh, we, we fall short. We, we don't do necessarily the right things. Have you found yourself kind of eating that humble pie? Like, oh, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. And how'd you get through that? How did, how did that kind of make you feel? And, and what steps did you take to correct that wrong, whatever it was? Yeah, I I can think of examples where mm-hmm. I was at a stage where I was throwing spaghetti at the wall to try to figure out what is it that I really want to do. Mm. And, and I think this is part of the entrepreneurial journey and the leadership journey is that you're at, at a certain early stage of your business or or organization or brand that you're building. There's a part where you're just trying a bunch of stuff. <sighs> And, and you're trying to figure out what sticks, not only from a financial perspective or a profitability perspective, but also from a joy perspective. What mm-hmm. do I love to do the most? And because you're you're trying to find that intersection between the joy and the finance and and the results and and yeah. all of these things come together. But you have to try a bunch of things. And there were some things that I tried that did okay but might not have reached the right deadline or like we missed the deadline on something. And, and I would try my best to make up for it or find other ways to support that person if we failed at something. Mm. So it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that's just part of the journey of, of discovering what your thing is. Like I feel now, you know, I'm four years into doing this full time. Awesome. I feel only now do I really start to feel like I'm actually more so solid <laughs> on what my thing is now. Yeah. After four years. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point too. Cause on our journeys, like we're the mess ups are going to happen. We're going to mess up. We're going to, you know, mm-hmm. but the time that's, I think a lot of people starting out don't, it's, it's just, this a quote. I mean, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 kind of thing. Yeah. So we were taking short instead of long-term to get there. And it's not to say that in those first four years, there wasn't any, that there weren't successes. There were. Yeah. But of the things that I tried to do or, you know, that, that were like "Mm, maybe a little lackluster. And Mm. I realized sometimes I've realized early in that it wasn't jiving with me or didn't feel like the thing I wanted to do long-term, but then you're committed to doing it. You've got to follow through, you know, those type of of tests that you're kind of doing. But I think that's part of the journey. Absolutely. I I think so. There's so much pivoting and and shifting and tweaking along the way to get to kind of like that, that sweet spot, I guess, of business. So I think a a good thing there is what kind of at least stood out to me in my mind, at least what I took from it is just not be scared of it. Like they're going to happen and be able to just, continue on and redirect with what you're doing. Yeah. And do your best to make up for any inconsistencies Mm. or missed deadlines. I think there's, as long as you keep communication channels open, 
you know, you can try to fix things that might not have gone a hundred percent and maybe find creatively find other ways that you can even provide more value to let's say that client, if that were the case yeah. on this deadline or something. So yeah. uh, I've always tried to, to do that to the best of my ability, but uh, those are some things that, that come to my mind. Mm, those are good. And that shows wanting to do the right thing, you know, wanting to make up for it, you know, not just kind of be like, yeah, you know, whatever, like they can take care of it kind of thing that kind of that shows a little bit about your character. And with the fourth trait of pencil leadership being that the outside of a pencil doesn't matter. It's the lead on the inside. That's what leaves the mark. And so our character as individuals, that's what leaves our mark in the world. So what, what character traits do you either feel like you have and are good at, or that you like try to implement in your life? And then how do you, see, what, do you look for those same ones in others uh, in doing business or partnering with or whatever? Mm -hmm. There are several qualities and values that come to my mind. I think integrity is the one that comes first and foremost to mm -hmm. me. And I think respect, respecting other people's opinion, you know, especially when you're working, you know, in a business where there's the art of persuasion, we have mm. sales, we have marketing, we have all these things, like everyone's trying to get something from each other, it really, in essence, it's what's happening. But how do you do that in a way that keeps that, that you can keep your integrity intact? But I think respect falls into that as well, respecting that it might not be the right time for that person right now, despite your timelines, despite mm -hmm. you wanting to make that sale, yep. it might not be the right thing for them at that moment. So don't try to sell somebody something they don't need right now. I like that. Like, respect have, have respect yeah. for them to say, instead of going for the jugular and be like, I'm going to make a sale <laughs> no matter what, you know, it might not be the right thing or the right yep. time for them. What would be better is to have enough respect for that person to say, Hey, listen, I don't think we're a fit to work together or the thing that I do isn't really the thing you need at this point, but you might need me in a year and a half from now. Let's stay connected. Here's what I do think you need. I want to connect you with someone in my network who can help you with that thing first. Yeah. And then let's talk in a year and a half from now. That's how I approach it. Yeah. You know? From the and position so, of giving. Absolutely. Service. Yeah. I like that. And, and what you said to respect their timeline. That's, uh, that's very well said. I, I mean, oh, I, I know starting out, I was that way. Like, oh, I just need to make sale. Like I quit my job and I have no income. Like I need to just make the sale, but it doesn't work that way. It's, it's the relationship. It's the respect, like you said, built and they might not buy, but they might have someone who is looking for what you do. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, Cheryl does that. Like, let me connect you with her or, or vice versa. And so, yeah. yeah, I really like that. And I think those are really big, big values to look for and have in ourselves, especially doing business. So this all kind of rounds out. So pencil leadership, obviously, the the last trait's the big one, and we're all different. We're all unique. We're all created with a purpose here on on Earth to you know leave a positive mark in some way, in a way we only we can, based on how we are formed and made and all our talents and skills. So I, I really like this question because I you know you, you get answers that you might not expect from people, and that is when everything is said and done for you here on Earth, what do you hope your positive mark is and why? I have had the good fortune of building a professional career in an industry that I could never have imagined having built a career in, considering my childhood, considering, you know, 
where I came from in terms mm-hmm. of like my, on, on the side of my you know, personal life and family and things like that. So this was very uncharacteristic for someone in my family to do, you know, to become a speaker, to become a broadcaster, even especially on the national stage. So I've had the good fortune of having had that experience. I feel like I'm at a stage of my life now, Chris, where my role is to, I'm an authority. I'm an expert and an authority in what I do, right? Be it, you know, social media, video marketing, Mm -hmm. content marketing, that, you know, technology and and all the things that, that I do. And really what I do now is pay it forward to help other people become the authorities at what they do best. And I can utilize my skill set and this rarefied experience of having been on TV for 25 years to help them to do that. Right. If I help them to grow their businesses and their enterprise and their companies, it has a trickle down effect because now they're more profitable and they can serve more people. It helps the economy. It helps their families. They're less Mm -hmm. stressed. It has all these trickle down effects. And I think on a personal note, the impact that it has on families is particularly interesting to me, even though mm-hmm. I work in a kind of a more B2B sort of way, but it's the impact it has on families because mm-hmm. building a business is stressful. And yeah. if I can help to alleviate some of that stress and help them by, by virtue of their business doing well, then they're less stressed. People aren't lashing out at their kids as much. <laughs> they're able to spend more time with them. They can go to their sporting events. Like we're a big sporting family here. And so I love having the flexibility of being able to go to my son's baseball games or go away for a weekend tournament, mm. you know, and, and I think those are the things that have led to me enjoying and loving my life. Yeah. So I want to be able to pass that down to other people. I love it. It's just, just a vision and a, a mark of the kind of what you mentioned, a servant leadership is what it, you know, kind of sum it up is you want to serve others uh, and, and allow them, empower them to go and, you know, have that p- positive shift in their lives. And, and that's really a cool thing and doing it through video and, and content creation and marketing and it is a big way to do it now. And so it's a really cool thing to see you doing and, and way to go taking that leap and, and really going, going at it four years ago. It's, it's not an easy thing I know for sure. And I've only been a couple years into it. So I understand, I understand. So where can people connect with you, find out more about what you offer and just what you're, you're doing out there. Yeah. I mean, there are a few ways to, to connect with me. One is go to my website at CherylPluff.com and I have a variety of resources I recommend there. I can be found on social media at Cheryl Pluff pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, but I would say go to CherylPluff.com. Is it just a great place to start? Cheryl, I appreciate you being on pencil leadership and just sharing Uh, what it's like to be a pencil leader from your perspective. So thank you so much. Thank you, Chris, for having me. This has been a really great format of show. I just wanted to commend you on the format. I think this is really brilliant. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.